What up, y'all? This is Amani, and you are now listening to The Ville Radio Show on Pure Radio. Yo, 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 what's going on? This is The Ville Radio Show. You are now rocking with the blessed. You just tuned in with the villains. Listen, man, it's 103.7 FM, Pure Radio, 1320 AM. You know what I'm saying? This is your host, Jay Giuliulis, and I got my people rocking with me. My co-host, brothers, what, what it is, man? Somebody say something. Holla! I mean... <clears throat> Hey, what's going on, guys? It's uh, Shark Dog in the building. Mm, and y'all already know who it is. It's that boy. It's that breath. It's that smell. It's that love. It's your boy. This, this, <laughs> we, we're going to have to stop. Uh, what, Phil, why every week, man? No, why Phil needs week? to do my intros. He's got the best intros. You know what I'm saying? I get mad at me because I had them amazing intros, baby. You I think you're trying to get a job on Jeopardy or something, man. You're trying to leave us, brother, because you go too hard on your intro. It's the breath and the love. Right and, and the love, you know what I'm saying? Don't forget the smell, baby. Straight up. So listen, man, you know what I'm saying? Yo, listen, my people out there, man, we miss y'all, you know what I'm saying? It's been a week since we got to, you know what I'm saying, talk or whatever, you know, but we back in full effect. Man, we got a good show today. You know, we've been going the past couple of weeks. We've been hitting this whole um, subject about millennials leaving the church. And, um, you know, we hit that for the past three weeks. So we're going to kind of switch gears a little bit. But we had an amazing time. Um, last year, last week, we had the, uh, what was the pastor from um, First Prez downtown? Pastor Robert Morris. Pa- pastor Robert Morris was absolutely amazing on the show. Then we had my man, uh, Pastor uh, Weston, was on the show from Exodus. Mm-hmm. Killed it. And um, just really amazing insight on what's going on with some of the departure we see from millennials. Um, and so I think it was a really interesting conversation about people's perspective on how the church is communicating and dealing with some of these issues. And then we had the millennials on before that. And I have a man, Neek Smith, in the building, and Neek killed it as well. You know what I'm saying? So it's just been an amazing And don't run. forget about Miss Daisy. And Miss Daisy in full effect on the show, too. You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, she don't hold no words for nothing. So we had a really hype show. You know, yeah. we've been going at it. And I think even our Facebook been jo- popping off real crazy, too. And everybody's been on, like, you know, what's really, really good. You know what I'm saying? So, You know, the biggest difference I saw between the millennials on the show and uh, the Gen X and baby boomers is I really appreciated Pastor Weston and uh, Pastor Morris that it just brought some calmness to the situation. You know what I'm <laughs> Millennials got kind of hyped they on this situation. And they, you know, they just, uh, they're... They're passionate. Straight passionate. Up. That's yeah. a good word for it. Yeah. Well, you know what? Both both are passionate. It's just embodied a bit different. You know what I mean? The mm. fatherly, like, calmness that the pastors brought was nice. Yeah. It was a nice... Uh, most definitely. Thing. Most definitely. So, yo, man, what we got going... Yo, so listen... If y'all don't know, man, we're sponsored by the, uh, by the Ville Church. You know what I'm saying? I'm one of the pastors there. Uh, Shirk Dog is a pastor there, and Big Phil is the worship leader. And we come together to do this show, you know what I'm saying? But the Ville Church, you can check us, at the, check us out at uh, theville.church, T-H-E-V-I-L-L-E dot church. If you don't know how to spell church, then I'm going to send you out hooked for phonics for free, hooked on phonics for free. I actually need hooked on phonics because I can't even say the joint right. But um, listen, we got we got something coming up big. We got a rummage sale going on, right? Yeah, we got a rummage sale. <clears throat> if you're in Springfield or if you're not in Springfield, if Doesn't you're on the east side or if you're not on the east side, we are doing a multi-family garage sale at our church April 8th from 830 to 12 o'clock. This is a thing where we're going to bring all of our stuff together. Everyone's cleaning house. Everyone's putting out stuff that they want to sell. Have you guys already uh, Have you guys already cleaned out your house? Uh, we're still doing a little yeah. cleaning. Okay, we're spring ready. cleaning hasn't happened yet. My wife, when she found that out, she went through the whole house. Like, I came home and everything was out on every counter. I believe Jen would do that. Yeah, she, she's serious about it. So we hope that we're going to have a bunch of stuff for anyone that wants to come by proceeds go to our outreach and our mission so if you're in the area or even if you're not you can drive in april 8th from 8 30 to 12 and we will have a bunch of stuff all over the place for anyone to buy oh i got a gang of stuff at the crib and the wife has been ready to get rid of she don't know where to put it we got sewing machines we got irons we got everything we bringing them i mean we're bringing like 60 inch plasma tvs so, uh, I don't know about that now. I'm going to keep my TV. <laughs> I, I, I was going to take Big Phil's TV. I'll get that off of you before you put that in the cell, brother. Just holler at me. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so check us out. It's a rummage sale. It's for the city. And, 
yeah, it's going to be pretty sweet if you're looking to buy some stuff on the cheap. True indeed, true indeed. I think it's going to be cool for us to really connect with this with the city and being able to serve people and hook people up with some really dope stuff or whatever, you know what I mean? And so, yo, check it, man. I want to get into the subject. Today we're going to be talking about basically racial division in the church, and I imagine this is going to actually turn into a uh, topic that we're going to be on for a couple of weeks. Um, it's something, it's a conversation we have in our church a lot because the Ville Church is pretty much diverse, diverse, and it's probably split 50 50, I would guess, um, um, in the church. And it's economically diverse, socially diverse, all of those things, or whatever. So there's no way for us to be inside of this in, in our church without having this conversation. Um, we're a church that, you know, and I think all churches, you know, should be leaning towards this, but we try to keep it really real. So we're not okay with just doing church in a, in a way that we are flattering each other and acting like everything is all good. But if we're going to really love our neighbor well, we have to tell, turn to our neighbor and be like, yo, how do you feel about this? You know, when, we, when we're seeing young men getting gunned down inside of, this, uh, inside of the United States and the stuff that's coming across the headlines, um, you know, we can't assume that everybody is processing it the same way. And, and they're if, not. They're not. And if we don't ask each other questions, then we leave room for strife and all type of tensions to build. And I think that's one of the things we see we see happening with the division in the church um, currently right now. It's all it's been there in the United States since the get go, but it's it's being revved up more because I think people are becoming more vocal. Um, with the way they feel and as people are becoming more vocal some of the things that are coming out of even some of the mouths of our evangelical leaders are horrifying the people and it's and it's called causing an even sharper division um, the gospel makes room for how we answer and respond to this stuff I think at the end of the day it comes down to if we are going to actually be repentant um, and if we are going to confess our sins and walk in the light concerning this stuff so I really want to dig into this sub this uh, subject this week, you know what I mean? So, listen, um, yo, man, y'all got a song y'all want to rock? Who's going first? Already? We're doing a... Let's, I, get, let's get it cause, off. Because this, this, this subject's going to be crazy. I really feel like we're we not going to have room for everybody to do a song. We said we want... We're we doing a song. song that Everyone's we, doing we, a song today. Yeah, we're going to do a song. All right. So, so I'll going go first? first because my song is uh, kind of hype and it's fun. And I think it's going to be a serious topic. So, I'm going to do this to kind of just relax us a little bit before we get going. My song is by Judah and the Lion, all right? It's a song called Take It All Back. And this Judah and the Lion people, they're a small band in uh, Nashville, Tennessee. And they got the banjo going on, they got the mandolin, but they kind of put their tracks on a little hip hop beat. And oh my it's kind of dope. But anyway, so they're really small, but they had this song, Take It All Back, and it's like, it's actually their first commercial hit. So they've been on Conan. They've been on, like, Late Late Night. Like, oh, they're killing it. So they're, they're making it. This is, like, the, they're big time now. But what's cool about the song is I think everyone likes the song because they think that, because the chorus of the song is, like, take it, I'll take it all back just to have you. And people think it's about, like, a girlfriend or a girl or something. But they're actually talking about God because they're Christians. So it's kind of one of those subliminal, like, in pop culture things. Yeah. But people are rocking the song but not knowing that they're talking about God. That's so dope. that's what's up. Yeah, this is Judah and the Lion. Take it all, take it all back. Two point Check it out. Yo, you rocking live one hundred three point seven FM, thirteen twenty AM. This is Pure Radio. Judah and the Lion. That's right. We rolling. Judah and the Lion. That's not how it goes. Oh, okay. That's okay. not how it goes at all, Phil. Oh. I'm well on my way to my dreams coming true and I'm getting to do it with you. It feels so nice when the people sing along, They're singing along with the banjo.
clothes and a wife with a big old diamond ring. Cause the people, they're dancing along, they're dancing along to the mando. It's some sort of hip hop beat. Welcome back. This is the Bill Radio Show. Bong. Where you're rocking with the blessed, as Jay says, or we're like chilling like villains. What's Somehow up? we're villains and we're blessed. Or we got that country slang that make you sing and that thing to make you say, oh, oh, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> yes, up, baby. Love anyway, <laughs> I'm going to take that all back from Phil. Uh, that was Judah and the Lion. If you listen to Pure Radio for a long time, you probably never heard a song like that before. But you're welcome. I just want to put different flavors out there for people to try out. Diversity, brother. We already on it. Yeah, it's diversity year. It's not even diversity week. So that's what we're trying to do. Hope you all enjoyed it. Jay, hit us with the topic. So listen, we on this thing or whatever. We talking about diversity in the church. Um, man, we're going to try to get into it really real or whatever. Like this is a real sensitive subject for um, us personally or whatever. Just um, let me just tell you all really quick. So the Ville Church... Um, came together out, out of a really, really um, different circumstances. And what I mean by that is this right here. So the church was actually planted by one of my brothers, um, Matt Jensen, right? So Matt is a, a, a you know, white male. Um, and then I ended up coming in and we ended up co-pastoring the church together. And so you basically have a black guy like me, which I don't know what category you want to put me in or whatever, you know what I'm saying? Thug life. But anyway, whatever category you want. Anyway, but I come together with Matt. We both come together up under the gospel and what we feel like Jesus Christ is doing to us. Um, and it brings a really different type of crowd together straight off the bat. You know what I'm saying? So I have my people that are rocking with me. Matt has his people that's rocking with him. And when we get in the church, it's like, man, everybody is being drawn by Jesus Christ. And then when we start doing life together, we start finding out how different we are. Um, and, you know, I think one of those things, and y'all chime in on this or whatever, I think, you know, there's churches that are actually diverse. And I hear some churches, I've been in churches before where they're like, yo, we're a diverse church. But there's actually no room or there was no room for me as a black man to express how I felt about things. Mm -hmm. Like, so it, I was able to be at the church as long as I remained subservient and shut up and was quiet. Mm -hmm. And then we put it all under the guise of, oh, we're worshiping God in spirit and truth. And I'm like, this ain't truth. This is actually your truth. Because, you know, I'm not okay with there being a George Bush poster in the lobby. Mm -hmm. Or the little, you know, the 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 little jabs at black America, which I'm picking up or whatever. And, you know, you're trying to kind of be graceful and go past them. But after a while, you're like, 
nah, homie, like, I got a problem with this. And so... Hold up, let me ask you one question real quick. Yeah. Would you be okay if there was an Obama poster? Most definitely. Most definitely not. Okay. At all. Like, I mean, I don't... When it Just as a pastor... Politics is not our God, straight up and down. It's a right. stumbling block. Like, I'm yep. I'm not trying to have nobody and, walk and, inside of the church. And you got a picture of Obama. Because I remember, I, I remember growing, coming up and seeing uh, in black churches, they had Ronald Reagan up in a black church. What? Yeah. It's a bad move all that's around. A, that's a bad move all around. Like, listen, this is where we done forgot about the loss and the people we're called to pursue. How you gonna have somebody stumble over your political preference before they get to the cross? Yep. That's not the game we're supposed to play in the church or whatever. Yep. And so I think pastors need to be really light. And I'm and I'm not saying I completely get this and or or you know or understand the balance of this. Yeah. But I know daggone well nobody's supposed to be tripping over my political preference as pastor of the church when they come in the room. Right. I'm trying to get them to the cross. That's my number one priority. And so. So you so. Let me ask you this. So you feel like as a pastor, you shouldn't teach your people how to vote? Mm. I think that I should teach my people about Jesus. Okay. And I think Jesus brings unity of heart inside the body and in the church. Like the people sitting in the room are not robots. You get where I'm coming from? Okay. And so they need to be experienced the gospel and their heart needs to be being transformed. To tell people who they should vote for to me is pushing people in the wrong place, especially like th like this this conversation could be different from an inward standpoint. Like if you're a pastor and you have a circle of people that you are really um, relationally there with, that's one thing. People in the church as a whole, I don't think that should be the conversation. Like for instance, if if we in the back room and there's certain other brothers we know in the church that are like this with us, that we can argue, fight, fuss with, and it's not going to mean nothing for us. We can start talking about political preferences and where we feel we need to go. And even we might say, hey, brothers, as a church right now, I think we need to lean this way or whatever in this particular topic or this subject and everything else. But I'm not going to lay that on everybody inside of the room because I don't know what their experience is, where yeah. they're coming from, where everybody is with Christ. And my thing is I'm walking them to Christ. It's the biggest priority. They can vote wrong. They could vote in a way that I think is completely wrong. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, I need them to come back so we could keep walking towards Jesus together. And so, you, you know, know, that's kind of my perspective. People say the two subjects you shouldn't talk about in uh, public are religion and politics. But since we're already there, <laughs> let me say something. Hit it, brother. So I was reading uh, some article the other day, and it made this point, and I thought it was really good. Young people do not fit in either Democratic or Republican values. Straight up. Not even one, no sub brother. No, like, and especially young Christians. Yeah. Because what's happening is, on one side, in the conservative box, we're fighting, still fighting for the rights of the unborn, we're fighting for biblical uh, definition of marriage, and these kind of things. But on, this, on the other side, we're actually seeing the disparities with African Americans and the police, we're fighting maybe for um, refugees and what that looks like and immigrants. But we kind of split both sides. So it's interesting how we don't fit in any box, one or the other. We're in the middle, and there's things that we both are drawn to for both. And I don't know how it's going to play out. And so it's weird when one church takes on the banner of Democratic or the banner of Republican. Yeah. Because that does not represent every everything that somebody believes in my view and and if it does it's a like i would say there's less than one percent that actually aligns with every single thing in each box yeah but then we just have to choose either or yeah and it's getting muddier because we are passionate about a lot of things that are in both and then the problem is is that uh, if if i don't agree with you or if i don't agree with you about some things, but then I agree with your party about other things. It's like if I choose to vote otherwise other than you, then now I hate you. Yeah. Not like I hate you, I dislike you, I don't like yeah. we can't rock together. It's like draw a line in the dirt now. Yeah. And yeah. you know what I'm saying? And I it's think it's more than a line. You're in bunkers and then you just pop up to throw a grenade and yes. go back in yeah. your bunker. Yep, yep, yeah. yep. So it's like now it went from drawing a line to now 
We shooting at each other, shooting daggers at each other. We sending subliminal messages over, over social media. We calling each other agitators. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, I don't really understand why you're like, and, and what's the crazy part is I've seen people get fired up over this. Like, like I'm talking about fired up. And I'll be like, I don't understand why your allegiance is so strong to this one group of people or these party of people. And number one, frankly, if I wasn't on the radio right now, I'd say these people don't give up about you. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? But they really don't. These people, these political people that represent this country and represent what we supposed to be as a nation, man, they don't care nothing about that. You know what I'm saying? You, you know, we didn't throw this into the conversations, and y'all know we're going off subject, people, because we're supposed to be talking about race in the church. We'll get there. Oh, we're going to go back. We're going to go back. This is important. We're going to be on that for a couple of weeks anyway. So, mm -hmm. But listen, we didn't talk about this when we are talking about, you know, about millennials leaving the church. But this is one of the things. You got millennials who think completely different, like you were saying, Shirt, and then they come inside of a church and people start lording over them with political preferences and then trying to bring them under the, 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 the umbrella of them being moral, yeah. like your political preference, making it a law of God. Come on, man. Yo, we, I'm walking straight out the building, yo, because yeah. it's, abs it's, it's, you know, the exclamation point on everything we're saying is that it's carnal. It's the way the world plays the game. We're the church, yeah. and we have to rise to another level and play from a different perspective. It doesn't mean that we're not good stewards of what we believe is right as, in, you know, as it pertains to being political, but we need to be super woke in it. Like, man, I can't grasp for the life of me Tell them. Christians taking a stance for Trump or Hillary Clinton. Like, when I was watching that, I thought it was absolutely foolish. Here's the thing, and I'm being judgmental now. Do I'm it. being judgmental, but let me say it like this right here. I get somebody having a lean towards either one or the other mm -hmm. and, and saying, this is where I'm leaning because I think this is the best move. But, but to actually champion the character of either one of them is a problem. And so this is where, you, this is where I end up in the middle. You got, on the, you got on the right, you got people fighting for what we believe is biblical marriage and for um, unborn children. You know what I'm saying? It was, excuse me, for, abor for abortion, right? But then me as a black man, I understand to be some of the things and the nuances and, and even some of the overtones to be uh, overtly racist and not caring about my people or my community and that always being the case. Mm. But here's the thing. What I've experienced from that side is that I'm not going to get to the table and be able to actually lead that conversation. I'm going to be told what it is. So, therefore, I have no, no, no room at the table. Right. And then I have, over on the Democratic side, people who say they're for us. And I've actually been. I, last year, I went to go meet with Obama. I went to the White House on three occasions. I went to meet with the Department of Justice. I'm at the table. We're talking about Ferguson. We're dealing with Obama's financial advisors. I'm getting to get in the room. But at the same time, I know that Hillary Clinton done called young black males um, super predators. And I know her and her husband done locked up more black men than any president in history. So if I'm going to be mm. sober-minded... For you Clinton lovers out there. Straight up. Neither one of y'all are my friend. Period. I like how we're making no friends right now. Yeah. Yes. I ain't trying... Yeah. Like, I'm like, that's what... Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm saying, like, the church... Yo, we need to be having the cross backing up. Like, back up, G. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to play the game for what's expedient and for seeing change happen... But homie, y'all ain't about to throw a label on me either way, man. We're we going to rock this cross and roll out with that because y'all aren't trustworthy. The only thing that's solid in the world is the, the foundation of Jesus Christ. And we get sucked into these other games and these other things that we let attach to our identity. And politics has been one that has done a disservice to the church. And I think some of our evangelical leaders, they actually need to come out their mouth and repent if you want to be really real about it, for mm. real, because it's causing major division in the church as well as this conversation on race that we're going to get to one day. No, <laughs> we will get to it right now because that's a great segue because not only do they need to repent about the the how uh, adamant and, and, and strong they were about their voice being heard from a, a voting stance, but about some of this racial division that's taking place in the church. Because I got a lot of questions, and I don't understand a lot of things. 
And I know some people online and some people that's live with me, they got questions and we want to know. And I want to discuss the elephant in the room. Like, I'm not even going to play these games. We're going to talk about racial division in the church. We're going to talk about it. So we got, we got a white guy right here. Hey. We got a black guy right here. You know what I'm saying? And I'm the middleman, and we about to get into it and get at it because I think the this is going to help. Guy. Yes, this is this is going to help some. Feels people. mixed. This is this, this is going to help some people out. So let's get into it, man. Let's really get into it and let's let's get some things popping. So okay, I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and shut it on off, right? Right. So this is uh there's a book divided by faith, evangelical religion and the problem of race in America. It's by this guy by the name of uh, Michael Emerson. He's a sociologist. Um, I'm going to repeat that because if you don't have this book, and especially if you are a pastor or you do any type of small groups where y'all want to get into the race conversation, um, when our church first started, we did a study of this because it was necessary for the people that were in the room. Um, so it's called Divided by Faith, Evangelical Religion and the Problem of Race in America by Michael Emerson. Make sure you get that book. But this is, this book is back from, I think, around 2000. I don't have it in front of me right now, but... In this book, this is what they, they did a, a survey with over 2,000 white evangelicals, right, and 200 face-to-face -face interviews. Um, what their, their research uh, suggested, right, the pattern that they found was that white evangelicals deny the existence, um, that many white evangelicals deny the existence of any ongoing racial problem in the U.S. And listen to this right here. And many blame the media and African-Americans who refuse to forget the past for any lingering racial conflict. Oh, my God. So is that wrong? <laughs> no, 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 so, buddy. We're, we're no, gonna, no, so, buddy. We're going to beat up shirt. No, no, we're not going to beat up shirt because you know why? Because shirt just asked the question that a lot of people believe yeah, no, and sure. they feel. Yeah, yeah. They, they really do. Do you want to answer? Do I want to answer? Yeah, is that wrong? Yeah. I, I want you to answer. I that. know you know it's wrong. You, I, but know, we know. I know many, 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 many people. Yeah. I know. I'm just saying it for you because you're on Facebook Live, and I don't want you to get beat up walking down the street or whatever. You can send your hate mail to Jeremy Shirky. <laughs> Straight up. All right. So listen, let's, let's talk about it, right? So, man, where do we start with this right here, Phil? Where do we start well, with this right here? Well, let me start because the white people. Yeah. This is a very common response, right? Yeah. So, um, it, I, I mean it, I know many people that would say the same thing. That the whole thing, and besides the point, the race book, um, Divided by Faith, it was done before actually race has been highlighted more and more with the killing of, you know, African-American men and women yeah. by the police. Yeah. So, the conversation has really heated up in the past few years. Most definitely. Since the book was made. Yeah. So, it's a little different, but the stats still remain, and I think it's still that point is true that many people would say that the media overemphasizes yeah. certain stories to highlight their point of view, and that African Americans use it as a tactic yeah. to, I don't know, stir up emotions yeah. of things that happened way back. Yeah. So the question is, I don't think the question is if systematic racism is still a thing, because I think most people would agree. Not most, most people say that listen. No, no, they don't. No, they don't. But most people that listen to this show on this station would agree. Pure radio, 103. So who are you saying, black people or white people? Black people would obviously agree that systematic racism exists. Right, And yes. definitely more and more white people are starting to see that younger white people. Yes, um, the millennials are becoming way more woke on right. white millennials on this conversation. I wouldn't even say a majority. I wouldn't even say over 50%, but there is a growing population of white people. So my question is, how do we, as young millennials and as African-American community and any other minority community, come together to actually not prove, but have a conversation with people to show that no, it's not just the media. The media obviously does a ton of things to like show their viewpoint. It's always a spin, no matter what. So that is the media. So I'm taking the media out of it. Yeah. But that it's not just African Americans saying things to stir up the conversation again, but that it's still happening. How do how do African Americans actually 
even prove that? Not not that they need to, but like, what does that look like? Yeah. So I'm gonna go with some very strong stuff on the, on on this conversation. My, my, Number my. one, I'm gonna say this right here. Most white people in their superiority complex, their whole thing in this conversation is that they have to run the conversation. And um, that's like not, I just did. No, that's not. No, that no. that's um, that's not jabbing you, sir. <laughs> no, no. But no, it's and you notice know you've seen this happen even yeah. in our church. Like they have to run the conversation. It has to be on their terms. Um, one of the biggest problems in the middle of this conversation is that minorities have never been esteemed enough to run the conversation. So let me give you an example really quick. If I'm a, if I'm a husband, if I cheat on my wife. Right? right? And she feels like she's been, I've been doing it for years, mistreating her. She feels completely oppressed by the way she's been treated. When it's time for us to actually reconcile, guess who needs to run the conversation on what reconciliation needs to look like? She does. Right? So if she says, I need your cell phone. I need you to get off Facebook. I need you to get off of this right here. And this is what I need for this to grow, whatever. I need to respect that and let her run the conversation. Because here's the thing. In my blindness, I've hurt her. So as I'm trying to repent of it and reconcile it, I need to let her talk about what that is and what that looks like, like and walk me through it. I don't even think you can properly repent unless you even allow her to do that in the first place. There you go. You just hit the mega bomb right right there. In 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 the evangelical church in the church in America right now, this conversation of racism is so toxic because black people are not leading the conversation. And what what I term what a, a white friend of mine uses this term, he probably got it from somewhere, but he calls it white fragility. Every time the subject comes up and it's like, "Hey, White people, white brothers and sisters, you're doing this. You're hurting us this way. We've seen it happen in our church where, um, you know, we've had people leave because somebody wanted to confront them and say, hey, in your blindness, you say stuff like this. Like, for instance, you may walk around and say, yo, man, that right there is so ghetto. Well, guess what? We got people who are actually from the ghetto here. So that one word you used to use, that slang, it's now actually hurtful to somebody in the room. And it's actually causing division because they're actually seeing how you rationalize their worth and their value. That's so how do we do church together? Yeah. Let, me, let me say well, this really let quick. Let me say that about that real yeah. quick. So something that happens there with white people is when they're confronted about that, they take it, the fragility part, as their enemy number one. They're the bad guy. Yeah. Everyone hates them. Yeah. Which isn't necessarily true. Right. No. It's and just pointing out the fact and just asking for it to be noted that that actually is hurtful to people. Yeah. Would you repent of that and be cautious of your language? Yeah. But that's not how it's taken. It's taken as like, oh, my gosh, everyone thinks I'm racist. I'm out of here. Yes. Boom. That happens. It happens. And then, like, so we were – I'll give you the instance, right? So a couple of weeks ago, we were meeting with some, um, some gentlemen or whatever. Sir, I don't, you weren't there yet. But we were meeting with some gentlemen or whatever. It was pretty. It was me. It was one African American, other African American gentleman, um, and it was a bunch of uh, older white men. And there were ministers and everything else. Really, really nice men. We our meeting went great. But I caught something at the beginning of the meeting, right? So they start talking about. They're like, "Yo, where are you from?" I'm like, "I'm from Newark, New Jersey." You know what I'm saying? He's like, "I said that was where I was born. I pretty much been raised here." And he's like, "Yeah, Newark is crazy." I said, "Yeah, yeah, it's crazy." And then one of the other guys there was like. Yeah, like, what do y'all mean? He's like, yeah, man, it's it's crazy. Like, it's like, man, it's one of these places you tell jokes about. You know, he makes the joke to the other white guy, and I'm sitting over here, and I'm like, that's it's one of the places you make jokes about, huh? You get where I'm coming from? And so I went past it, and I gave my man grace in the moment, but I'm like, yo, bro, people getting their heads blown off and being poor as I don't know what and not having lights sitting on the porch that's all night or whatever because they don't have a like. – I'm like, that joint is not a joke. And so there's these little nuances – that happen in our culture because we haven't been around each other um, and actually talking and doing life together for real like the Bible says, mm -hmm. we don't even know about them. So we got all these landmines even trying to be in relationship. Yep. So, like, there's no way to go forward without li literally leaning into this mercy and grace that the Bible describes. And that's what I'm, I want to go back to what, what you said about white people, they feel like public enemy number one yep. with that situation. And I'm just trying to figure out, see, 
I think, and I'm going to just say it. Just say it. I think the public enemy number one mindset comes from the simple fact that you think that you are these upper echelon superior people. Yeah. I think that's where it comes from. Well, you like, know the if we worst be real, thing you can call a white person? Racist. It see, really is the worst. I can't think of a worse term to call a white person because in white culture, no one admits to being racist. But, the, but, yeah. the, but this is the problem. This should be the easiest thing to call you because right. based on how our country has been ran. This, like, that word, you, like, nobody, like, I'm going to keep it 100. Keep it 110. Like, the way how, the way that the new generation of young, of these young black guys have taken on the word, the term nigga, mm -hmm. okay? Um, the way that they, how it just so, how it just comes out. It's, it calling a white person racist should be just as watery out of my mouth because I'm gonna say this and I'm gonna say and listen watery yes Remember it that. should be it should come out just drug. as watery <laughs> it should flow like water because the way we have been set up to identify to objectify to relate has all been low key racism it has been covered up with classism. Like elitism, but it's still low key racism, like all the time. For even the way we do church, Straight so up. we talking about racial division in the church. Even the way we do church, we have we have uh, AME, we have African American Methodists. Yeah. We, we have African American Methodists because white Methodists said y'all can't worship with us. We have uh, Church of God in Christ because. Um, uh, assembly of faith, white assembly of faith denomination of people said, you can't worship with us. And But we learned of your religion, we learned of your culture, and we took on how you did church. Mm -hmm. We just black. Can, can I say something? Go ahead. That whole thing you just described right there, that's like when I, that, that's, I, I see within the culture right now of evangelicals, white evangelicals, there's a disdain for how African-Americans do church. And it makes me upset because of exactly what you just said. So like I seen an article the other day where somebody was going at MLK really hard and his beliefs and everything else. And it just is funny to me because I'm like, meanwhile, they're discussing his theology. I'm like, yo, he wasn't actually allowed in a lot of the schools that you actually esteemed. You, you get where I'm coming from? Yep. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm like, yo, stay off. The, like, let's deal with some real, real stuff. If you want to start throwing rocks over there. Absolutely. Let's deal with some real stuff first. There's other um, expedient conversations we could have. And here's one of the things, too. When has there ever been repentance truly in the church? Let's just think about it. You have the Bible being completely misused during slavery. Then you come out of slavery, and then you have, um, like, Birth of a Nation, the movie come out, the original, which paints us as black rapists and everything. They're playing it in the White House and the whole deal or whatever, right? right. So the identity that, that black America still wears till this day was put in place immediately right off the bat and has been perpetuated all the way through, right? Absolutely. And you have the church during that time, and we're still divided. Then you have the civil rights movement. And we're still divided. This is not that long ago. You, you, have, you have redlining where the wealth of America was given to whites through the housing market. And we're still not included. There's Absolutely. been no repentance for the church's stance through this. And repentance would look like this has been hundreds of years of separation and seeded damage. The, the repentance is pretty extensive. Forgiveness can be really, really quick, but the walk through repentance and reconciliation, it has to be really, really changed. But here's the thing. A lot of people are deceived in how racist they are. Let me be the first person to say this. I'm a straight up racist. As a pastor, I admit that I am a racist. I love my white brothers and sisters, but my flesh is hurt. It's been trampled over. It's been beaten nothing by cops for nothing. 
because I was a black man. And when I wake up in the night in cold sweat, sometimes I'll be ready to go spray up everything in sight. I just want to grab an AK and go stupid with it. Right. And see, what? Let me let me finish it, Phil. What holds me is the blood of Jesus Christ. Mm. It's the thing that makes me have to look at the cross and say, I can't hold nobody guilty and say they didn't have a debt for us when I've had such a massive debt removed. So it puts me on the side of actually working with my white brothers and sisters in a place of forgiveness and mercy. And sometimes it feels brutal to me. Sometimes I go home. I just told you all this in church Sunday. And I got to rock back and forth on the porch like, Lord, please help my heart because it's it has hatred in it. It has anger. It has hurt. I feel ashamed. All that because, like, Lord, I need your help. Yep. But here's the thing. I got to be able to say that so I could deal with what's real and let God lead me in it. That's one of the big problems. That's what's happening with white evangelicals right now. It's like this thing where they can't say what it is. It's insulting to black people because we're looking right at them. And we're like, homie, you think we don't. We're pro- here's the thing. You don't have to come into our context. No. You, you can stay in your, your context and not deal with black people. We have to deal with white people. We know you're uh, with white people. We know your ways. We know how you move. We know those little things you do and all that. And we, we already have a tag for them. They're racism. But like most white people I deal with, they're like unaware of them. So I'm like, cool. I love you. Let me lead you in showing you what that actually is and how it lands over here or whatever. And let's actually walk through it. But we can't get an honest conversation. And, and, and look, the gospel, we playing games when we treat the gospel like it doesn't make room for repentance. Yes. And Everything. The, first word of the gospel. First, first word, word of the gospel. gospel. John comes in saying, repent. When he talks to the Pharisees, he says, you freaking vipers. What are you doing out here, homie? Who told you about it? Because what he's saying to them is like, yo, this gospel, this thing I'm talking about right now is for people who are actually willing to raise their hand and say they're sinners. So how do we go forward when people are like, oh, no, I'm not. Don't call me a racist. Yo, you think you think so you think that your, your self-righteousness is that you actually think that when Jesus got up there on the cross, he wasn't being beat for you being a racist. racist? He That's wasn't being slaughtered about. for you. He's being slaughtered for the black church being racist, the white church being racist and all of that. He was taking all of those blows. It's everybody is watching us. Listen to this right here. I'm going to say this last thing. There is only 2.5% diversity in the American church. We look like fools talking about we ain't racist. We're the most racist, divided organization in this country. And that's, and that's, and that's what I was going to say, too, because somebody I'd say comment. the KKK is more racist. Okay, so, well, the KKK got us. So, they got us barely. But right. here's the thing. Try to find a black pastor leading white evangelicals in the church. And that's what I was going to say, because somebody said on here, uh, bro, but racism root stem from it's one of my sisters that you know she said racism stem from division if we really get down to it the church really needs to be like jesus i hear you but this is the this is what we're talking about this is the problem when you have 2.5 percent of your country that's like multi just doing multicultural church 2080 no 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 2.5% 2.5% of the church. 2.5% of the church. And that's only on a 2080 scenario. That means that your church is homogenous 80% and then only 20, 20% is diverse. So the statistics are at 2.5% with that type of leeway. So, so the root, yeah, Yes. So the root that you're talking about, sis, ain't we, it's a lot of people not being like Jesus. It's a lot of people not. See, it's easy to put that. See, that's a, see, and, and one of the things that I had, I had a, 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 I had Matt say to me one day, and he blew my mind with it. Like, had me, like I was, like, I never thought about it that way. It was so easy for me to say that I don't have a problem with white people, or it was easy for me to say, man, I could be friends with whoever, like all you know, all yeah. cultures. We could rock and do life yeah. until I got into the context of really doing life with white people on a daily. Yes. Like, popping in and out of each other's life, yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah. easy. Yeah, easy. We, that's we could, easy. We could do the flattery. We in could, the church, we've learned how to do flattery. We, really I've learned well. how to do that. We could do that. But Walk really, past each other in the hallway. Yes. Yeah. yeah. yeah but doing life yeah. with a person for real that's not the same race as you. Yeah. And Matt said to me, he said, yo, he said, because um, I, I told him, I said, you know what, man, listen, as black people and as the black church, we got to learn to really be forgiving. We have to learn to forgive. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because 
um, we really do. A lot of bitterness and anger and resentment comes from us not forgiving, and which which hinders a lot of who we are. And he said, "Well, he said that's real easy for you to say, because you never had a white person come up to you in your face and say, hey, I just want to let you know that.'" There was a point in time to where I really thought lower, you uh, you are lower than me because of your the color of your skin. Yeah. See, he said it's easy to say you forgive somebody until mm-hmm. they come in your face and tell you yeah. that they have been treating you like this because you are black. Yeah. He said the problem with what the forgiveness is is that we that's this is going to be a real process when real repentance take place. Yes. See, forgiveness is commanded by the Lord. No if and buts, period. He said, forgive because I have forgiven you. But what you got to understand is, is in that, when repentance take place, forgiving, like, it's, it's just like you said, where if, if I step out on my wife or my wife steps out on me, that, that forgiving, that's, that's like living that thing out. Yeah. It's not just saying, I forgive you. Yeah. It's like my my actions it's a lifestyle it's a man. lifestyle you walk in it daily. you got to walk in it and my actions have to show that I'm forgiving and that I'm love, still loving you and I'm looking past this yeah a lot of the time what happens is is that you have people to say to take these safe they they use these safe comments they use these safe well why can't why why we just can't love each other why we can't why we got to see color why do we have to see color? And why do we, like? And even my man Travis Green, Travis Green, right? Shout out to Travis Green. I ain't got no problem with it. Travis Green is probably the biggest gospel artist out right now. Mm. Okay, he has a shirt that I really don't agree with. I understand him, yeah, but I don't agree with it. But he has a shirt that says black, white. It says black at the top, white up under there, and then human. And he has crosses crossed out. So he has a line through black, he has a line through white, and then he has human at the bottom is what we should be highlighting. Now, that's, to me, I get what he's saying. Mm -hmm. This is my problem. I still feel like it's a safe antic. It was pretty. Feel like it was a bunch of makeup put on it. Know what I'm saying? So, like, and I mean, y'all push back. I'll say it like this. It is So it's like. For me, one of the best marriage advice I've, or pieces of advice from a marriage I ever got was you can't really repent and change until you actually feel um, the hurt you cause a person that you love. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So we can say sorry. We can say this was wrong. We can say whatever. But until you feel – and that's fine. That's great. You can, you can uh, objectively – with knowledge, understand a problem and say, that's wrong. But to really seek forgiveness, you have to actually feel the pain that you cause someone else that you care about. And then when you feel that, your repentance is actually you wanting to change because you don't want to hurt a person you care about. Yeah. So when we're talking about the church, we're saying, well, why isn't there more repentance? Well, it's obvious because there's not a lot of multicultural churches. So there's no, they don't do life together. That's the Christianese term, doing life together. So there's no like real stepping on the toes. There's no caring about others because they're not actually engaged in their life. So they don't see how their hurts actually cause pain mm. to other people. Mm. So they can't repent about it. They mm. can say, yeah, the idea of racism is wrong. But until they see how who they are systematically, part of the system is affecting African-Americans and other minorities as a whole, you can't really repent. So the first step in even beginning to repent is actually engaging in the same church together, which is not happening. Yeah. So that's that. So with the human thing, it's like you, you can't just be like, if, you, if we're saying the example of like cheating on your spouse. After you cheat on your spouse, you'd be like, look, you know what? We're both Christians, so let's move forward. It's like, that doesn't make sense. You can't just cross out what's happened and Mm -hmm. just pretend it's never happened. And now we're like, okay, we're both human or we're both Christians and we're married and it's God's, you know, covenant together. So we're not getting a divorce. So we're just going to move forward. No, you actually have to wade through the stuff to actually come to the point where it's like, 
we're meeting together on each other's term. Trust is being built again. Yeah. So that's why that shirt's kind of crazy. Yeah. Can, you, you know, I, I want to say this or whatever, and then we'll go to we'll go to a song, man. One of the things I think people jump into this conversation um, a lot of times, and they don't have any skin in the game, right? So you you have people who they're in the divide. Uh, so they're over either in a white homogenous deal or they're in a black homogenous deal or whatever, right? And, you know, this whole idea of racial, recon rec racial reconciliation is becoming kind of a sexy concept right now. And I talk to pastors more and more who are crashing into brick walls in this conversation. Because literally when you start to do it, it is going to put a mirror on how racist you are. It is going to show you your sin on a whole nother level. And you're going to find out that you are that racist monster you don't want to be. And I'm talking about for black people and for white people. You, it's going to come out. We're usually in these safe zones where we can talk about it from, you know, across the battlefield or whatever and stuff. But if you get on this battlefield and you start trying to walk in that first Corinthians love, which is patient, it's kind, it doesn't envy, it doesn't boast or whatever, it's not arrogant or rude, it doesn't insist on its own way, it's not irritable, it's not resentful, it doesn't rejoice in wrongdoing but rejoices in the truth. If you're going to rejoice in the truth, the truth is going to be that you're actually a, 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 a grimier, racist sinner than you've ever imagined. And then God is going to point you to the cross of Jesus Christ, who's going to give us grace and mercy, and his blood is going to cover our sin. But it's also going to push us to keep on engaging in this hard conversation. And you're going to find out how much we really need his power to engage. And that's the only way to go forward in this conversation. This problem will never get dealt with until we have real sacrificial believers who are willing to not run away from the table. It doesn't mean you're not going to be hurt. It doesn't mean you're not going to be scarred up. Us three sitting around this table, bro, I get, look, we, we could tell you stories all day about how we all said stuff that have hurt each other's feelings and have had to have conversations about it, how we went home hurt. How we've said stuff not even knowing it was hurting the other concerning race, but it didn't dig to the pit of our souls. But here's the thing. Most people jump in this conversation, right, and their perspective is off in it because most of the, the Christian conversations, even in the church, are a bunch of flattery. It's, hey, so-and-so, what's going on? But it's not brothers and sisters having real conversations with critical thinking, talking about real life issues and confessing their sin and walking in the light. The Bible tells us that if you say you don't have any sin, you're a liar. It says walk in the light. And it says if you walk in the light, the blood of Jesus will cover all your sins. What he was trying to tell us is keep it real because my blood is real and it's going to cover you. And you can't grow if you don't take what's sinful and bring it into the light. So if you hold it back over here and you're not talking about it, it's not going to get dealt with it. But you are going to inevitably keep perpetuating the hurt and the sin. So we got to walk in the light with this ugly mess and let God do his beautiful masterpiece he does on it through the cross and let it do its work. Mm -hmm. But we in bad shape. The world is looking. The world is looking. The Bible says they're going to know us by our love, by the way we love each other. And it's not this sing kumbaya and act like we all happy and everything's all good. Mm -hmm. They're going to they're gonna look at us and see how we deal with real issues and be like, dang, homie just said something foul to his brother. But look how he just forgave them. Look how they keep working through it and moving forward. They got to have something else in them because I know I'm choking somebody if they come walk in the light with something like that on me or whatever. So I just want to say that I think it's important, man. Like I think in the, the way we handle our relationships are not biblical. They're not biblical. You know what I'm saying? Shirk Dog. What do we, what we got? We got another song? Or we like, nah, we at? only have six minutes, so we should keep going with this. Six right. minutes like the, the, for the rest of the for show? For the rest of the show. Oh, my, 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 So my. this is what you're saying, Jay. It's a complicated, it, it gets messy. Yeah. And it gets really complicated really quickly. Because in my mind, I'm already thinking of things. Yeah. Like this whole show, I'm thinking of things. I don't know if they're racist or not. I need you all to tell me. Yeah. Because like, I'm thinking, one, what do Hispanics, or how do Hispanics and Asians fit into this conversation? Because I know that there's the, the conversation with slavery is white and black. Yeah. Like figuratively and literally. Yeah. It's a right. white and black conversation. Yeah. Right. But nowadays, Hispanics are moving into the majority. Like, I think by 2025 or something, they're going to be the majority in the United States. So white people won't, I mean, they'll still hold power, I'm sure. But people-wise, the Hispanic community is growing 
by yeah. leaps and bounds. So yeah. where do they fit in this whole conversation? Where do Asian people fit in the conversation? Because yeah. Asians are the most people in the world. Yeah. The second thing is, and maybe we don't have time to get into it today. Hey, somebody put, oh, this is Miss uh, Daisy. Oh, Miss Daisy said, time, oh. time management is not a strong suit for the Ville Radio. <laughs> 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 True. Hey, Shout bro. out to Miss Daisy. You know True. Daisy. True. So, like, when, I'm th- when you were saying earlier, you know, I know this. You've gotten, like, uh, un- unrightly and unjustly, like, beaten up by police. Yeah. Nothing. But then on the other side, I know some of your story where it's like, you're robbing, stealing, breaking into people's homes. Thanks, thanks for putting everything. Thank hey, you. Hey, oh, you have a redeemed here. story. Okay. So, but I'm saying that's part of your story. Yeah. So it's like, while no one should ever get unjustly roughed up, beat up, put in a cop car. Mm-hmm. Because not like my knowledge is like, no, that shouldn't happen. But then at the same time, I'm like, in my white context, because this is how I think, it's like, Come on, shirt. Be real with it. There's sometimes he's where about to say some cra- dumb crap. <laughs> this, look, this, I hear my white dumb statement meter about to go. <laughs> go ahead, shirt. Go with it. I Yo, love you, bro. So I'm staying at the table. So, but on the other side, it's like, man, there's been a lot of your story where you were breaking in, robbing, stealing, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, how do you like when I'm trying to process the like police and black culture clash? Yeah. Maybe my question is this. What do you think in your life led you to start robbing, stealing, and all that stuff? Um, just being a sinful, evil, little, little you know, low-down piece of crap. But here's the thing. This is what I say about this. For me, one of the big things was a lack of a father in the home. Mm-hmm. Like, that was my, my identity was broken because of that. I felt that as a little kid. I just felt, like, lost in the world altogether. Right. But... Um, I think there's a broader question you're asking, whatever. I need you to hit that question. Bring it on well, so home. Please hit it, man. Listen. This is the question. Hey, hey everybody, before, I, before Shirk says it, Shirk, you know, listen, we, we, we done done life and been doing life with Shirk for some years. Uh-huh. Uh, and I can say that this is a brother. And so don't, don't, don't slander him. Don't come so- at our brother. Yeah, we'll, don't slander him. We'll, on we'll come media. at him behind the scenes. Because he's speaking. He, yeah. We'll- <laughs> no, comment about how terrible I am. I want to know. No, no, no. Hit it, shirt. Hit it for real. Because yeah. time so is short. It, yeah, because time is short. We have like two and a half minutes. So the question, maybe this leads into the next. Yeah, week, we got to do a part two. But it's like, how do you balance like the fact that in your life, like there's plenty of people that haven't had fathers. And I mean, that's a growing trend, whatever. And people that do have fathers, they rob, steal, all that stuff. But in your youth, you have said you were disrespectful. Most definitely. You didn't care about anything. You just cared about, like, doing what you did. Yeah. So how does that balance out with the police trying to keep order? Because the question I don't think is there should be police or not. I think it's obvious there should be police. We need in a society police to govern. And that the power corrupts and there's rule and all I get that. But how do we balance the fact that, you know, it seems to me it's sometimes a hard job. Like Yeah. So I think we're going into another subject that is gonna need more time that has to do with some of your thoughts about young African American men, which I think is going to be a really, really good conversation. But I don't think is. We, I don't think we have enough time to do it. But I'll say this right here. Um when it comes to statistics, young black males, um, youth offenders, are charged as, a, a, as adults nine times more than white kids. I sat in a meeting not too long ago with some of Angela Corey's people, which used to be our state prosecutor, and now she's been removed. Um, and we have a young lady by the name of Melissa Nelson. I know our time is going close. One minute. Literally one minute. But I sat in a meeting, and um, I heard, matter of fact, I went to Washington, D.C. and was talking to the Department of Justice, and they were appalled by our, our former leader. And they were like, yo, y'all are one of the only people, y'all are like one of three people in this country that um, you literally will charge kids that are like, like have abusive history. You don't even take into consideration what it is or whatever has happened in their past that has led them here. And we have no regulation for it. Hopefully that's about to change, but what I'm saying is this right here. In this racist world country we live in, 
Where do you think all the intolerance falls? It falls on the people that people have disdain towards, which is black people. For some re reason, people seem to hate black people so much that these numbers are completely tilted. So it's hard for us to take that people are with us even in the church when they don't grieve for the things we see happening and treat us like we're hallucinating. But we'll get in on that next week. Here's we my back. question. Do we got time for a question? I'm just saying it and we're going to end the show. Where is the balance between systematic injustices and things pointing against you like society and just relationship and, and personal responsibility? That's my question. Oh, that's we an gonna, easy We're going to handle that. that. We yeah. got to come back to that. Yeah. That's a good one. That's yeah. a good one. But uh, we got to end it out. Jay, go ahead on the end us out, man. Yo, this is Pure Radio, 103.7 FM, 1320 AM. You're rocking with The Ville Radio Show. We love y'all. Hit us up at theville.church. Yo, come see us at our church, man, 1030 AM every Sunday. You know what I'm saying? We worshiping Jesus Christ on a diverse way. You know what I'm saying? Preaching the gospel. You know what I'm saying? So come holler at us. That's it. Peace. Peace. Peace.